Uh, today's message, I've, I've titled today's message, Seven Truths to Success. I purposely chose the word truth instead of steps or keys because I believe these are truths, and God's truths always work. Uh, steps, sometimes you have to follow them in a certain order in order to see success. Uh, keys, one key doesn't work for everybody, but God's truths, they always work. They're always true. So as I present these truths, they're not like they're in some order. They have to be done in any kind of order. They're just truths that if we apply them to our lives, we will see success in our life. And as I was preparing this message, I, I was wondering, I did a little bit of research. Because of what we're hearing today on social media and the news, I wanted to make sure that the official definition of truth hadn't changed. So I went online and I looked at updates that they had made to words, words they had added to the dictionary, words they had tweaked in the dictionary, and I found out truth hasn't changed. Uh, Webster still defines truth as the real facts about something, things that are true, not opinions, and not conspiracies. Truths are truths. And, and God's truth will never change because God's understanding will never change. And his promises will never change. So his truths hold true. So as we start talking about these seven truths today, these are, these are truths that have stood the test of time and they will continue to stand the test of time. Our, our understanding of a situation can change, but God's power over a situation never changes. So we, we want to look at what it means to um, be truthful. And, and I believe that when we start looking at success, that really there are two standards for the success. The world has one standard. And if you got the newsletter, there was an article about that this week. The world standard of success is tied to your bank account. It's tied to your position. It's tied to your respect. It's tied to what you've accomplished. But the biblical standard of success is different. Because when God created you, he created you for a purpose. And your success is determined by your ability, with the help of the Holy Spirit and others, to complete all that God created you to do. That is true success. Wealth, position, prestige, follows when you walk in God's idea of success. Uh, we're, we're told in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 8 and verse 35, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? See, as Christians, we have different priorities and we have a different perspective. I'm working for a payday someday in the future when it comes to the things I do for God. And, and I could trade that in for payday today, but then when you get to eternity, what do you have? Success that matters moves beyond this world into eternity. So seven truths to success. In order to illustrate my, my message this morning, I'm going to use an unlikely candidate from the Old Testament. She is not a Jew. In fact, she was an outsider amongst her own people. But she had faith to change her life forever. She moved from being marked for extinct, extinction to exaltation because she was willing to put her trust in the God who created heaven and earth. She is known in the scripture simply as Rahab the prostitute. And her story can be found in Joshua chapter 2. And I believe as we, we open up to this truth today, we will see that these seven truths that she illustrates for us are just as vital and applicable in our lives today as they were in her life the day that she lived them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Rahab, for the example you gave us of her life. We just pray that as we begin to unpack these truths, you'll open our ears and you'll open our hearts to receive these truths and to apply them in our lives so that we can see the success 
that you have for us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, I need to move quickly because I have seven truths, more than my normal message. So truth number one, if you seek God, he will reveal himself. If you seek him, he will be found. Sometimes we think that, that God, God plays a masterful game of hide and seek, and maybe he even cheats, and, he, and he, we think we can find him, but he's just keeping one step away from us. But that is not what the Bible says. Um, and, and we see this in the life of Rahab. We see Rahab illustrate this voice, this, this, this truth. Rahab was not an Israelite. Rahab had not experienced any of God's provision or seen any of God's miracles firsthand. But, but we read in Joshua chapter 2, this is what Rahab says in Joshua 2.10, For we have heard, we have heard, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is a God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab heard, and Rahab made a decision. She wanted to get to know this God. She wanted to be the exception amongst her people, and she would plan and she would make steps to make that difference. To seek means that you crave something. You aim for something. You strive after something. You require it. All right? A seeking isn't just, oh, I'm going to go and walk through the store and see what I find. You have a mission, and you're going to search store after store until you find what you need. You're seeking. How often do we approach God with that determination and that level of desire? Do we crave to know God's will in our life? Do we seek after? Do we require it? Do we require a relationship with God? That's what it means to seek. The, um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Notice the words will. It will be opened to you. And the one who seeks finds, the, um, I'm sorry, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. God will make himself known if you are searching. And Rahab is the perfect example of this. She heard about this God, and when an opportunity knocked on her door, physically knocked on her door, she was willing to take the steps necessary to make knowing that God a reality. Um, my personal testimony, I grew up in a church. I, I, I cut my teeth on a church pew, all right? There was many a, of a Sunday night revival meeting where I rolled over and I slept in the pew in front of me because it went on. I grew up in church. I grew up hearing the stories of God. I grew up seeing God do miraculous things. I grew up knowing that God was real. At the age of five, I gave my life to God. And at a, at a similar age, I knew God had called me to be a missionary. I, I had a relationship with God, but it, there was just something missing. And, and I was at a youth camp, and they were talking about our need for God to become real in our life and our need to surrender everything for God and God to become Lord of your life. And after the, after the camp meeting, I'm surrounded by moonlight and pine trees. And I'm saying, God, I, I just need more. I know I've accepted you. I know you're my Lord and Savior. What's missing? 
And God spoke very clearly to him, and he said, Chris, you have to make a decision. You can continue to serve the God of your parents, or you can accept me as the God of your life. And I began to realize growing up in a church, you know, I just, God was always around me. And, and well, my parents believe, my church believes, my Sunday school teacher teaches. And God said, there has to come a time in your life where you man up, Chris, and I become your God. And you believe it because I told it, you it was true. And it was at that time that I surrendered to God and said, I want you to truly be Lord of my life. And, and I want you to be my God. I don't want my relationship with you to depend on my parents. I want my relationship with you to depend on me and your desire to know me. I saw him, and he was there to be found. And, and I truly believe that this truth is there, but we have to believe it. God desires you to know him in a personal way. God desires to have a personal relationship with you, and God desires you to know his will. And, and we'll talk a little bit more on that as we come along. But this first truth is essential. We cannot succeed in the kingdom of God if we don't seek him. If we don't seek his will, if we don't seek his plans, if we don't seek his purposes, we will meander from church to church. We will meander from place to place. We will meander from service to service, not knowing what God wants us to do. God wants his will known. And if we seek it, if we crave it, if we desire it, he will make it known. That's his promise to us. Rahab had no reason to expect that God wanted a relationship with her. Rahab had no reason to expect that God would do anything on her behalf. Yet something stirred within her when she heard those stories. She said, I want to know that God. And she would be willing to risk everything in her journey of discovering that God. Truth number two, God wants you to soar above your past and your present circumstances. God wants you to soar above your past and your present circumstances. And I want to I wanna just give us two verses kind of side by side to show us how Rahab went from ex extinction to exaltation. In Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, this is where we're first introduced to Rahab. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, if you remember, Moses, when he sent out spies, he sent out 12 spies, and he sent them out very publicly, and everyone was waiting for the report. Joshua decided to do things a little bit differently. He sent two, and it's interesting, we're not even given their names. Because Joshua 2 is not about the spies. Joshua 2 is about Rahab. Rahab is the whole focus of Joshua chapter 2. The spies don't even have a name there. Because the story's not about them. The story's about an outsider who was marked for extinction. Her and all of the inhabitants of Jericho were to be destroyed because they were opposed to God's plans and purposes. Right? So, um, and they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. All right? So that's... Rahab. That's her past. That's her present circumstances. Somebody that was very contrary to the plans and purposes of God. Somebody who was outside of God's scope of redemption. She was not part of the nation of Israel. But God said, because she has faith in me, I'm going to mark her for exaltation. If you turn to the very first book of the New Testament, the first chapter, and you get down to the fifth verse, you see that Rahab is remembered for what she did. 
In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, it simply says, Lost in the boring list of names, the genealogy of Christ, it says this, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And it goes on. And Jesse, the father of David. Rahab finds herself as a prostitute living on a city wall in the city of Jericho, an outsider. And yet, we're introduced to her in the book of Matthew as the great-great-grandmother to King David. The greatest king that Israel ever had that ruled here on earth. She went from being marked for extinction to exaltation because she was willing to, to not allow her past, not allow her circumstances to dictate her future. And God wants us to soar above our past and our present circumstances. Your past does not define your future, but your ability to walk and step with the Lord does. If you want to be successful in the kingdom of God, you have to walk in step with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul tells us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. God has something new for you. You are no longer defined by your past or your present. Good or bad, God says, I have something better for you tomorrow. And I want you to rise above. I want you to soar. I want you to excel. God's word to everyone today is as long as you have breath, he's not through with you yet. And we don't ever get to come with an idea or a thought of, well, I have served for 20 years. I have done this. I have done that. And now it's my time to relax. God says, no, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. There are people for you to encourage. There are people for you to impact. There's things for you to do. When I'm done with you, I'll call you home, and you'll stand in front of me, and I'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Until I do that, you continue to have an impact here on earth. God wants us to soar above our past and our present circumstances. Rahab is a great opportunity of this. And Rahab is also a great opportunity for us to remember this. God, as the creator of the universe, has the right and authority to use who he wants, when he wants, and how he wants to. And today he chose to use a prostitute named Rahab. Another day he chose to use a donkey. Here's the point. God reserves the right to use you. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. And God is looking for people who truly believe that, they, that God wants them to rise above and to excel. And that's a truth. That can't be taken away from us. God wants us to soar above. Rahab goes from certain extinction to exaltation. Abraham was a moon worshiper. Moses was a slave. David was a shepherd. Peter was a fisherman who denied knowing Christ. Yet all of these men rose above their circumstances and they soared. All of these people soared above their past and present because they learned what it meant to wait on the Lord and walk in step with the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 is a great scripture. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, those that wait. Right? We wait for God to allow us to soar above 
our past and our present circumstances. We believe that God's not through with us yet because when he's through with us, he calls us home. That's how God lets you know that you're ready to retire. It doesn't come at an age. It doesn't come with a certain years of experience. God says, I'll let you know when I'm done with you, and until I let you know, continue. Keep on keeping on. Truth number three, success starts and ends with service. This is sometimes a hard one because it, it kind of flies in total contrast to the world's view of success. I'm a success when I serve someone. I thought I was successful when people served me. I thought I was successful when people did things for me. But the Bible says, no, without service, you will never experience success. In Joshua chapter 2 and 4, the story of, of Rahab is continuing. The spies have come to her house. The king has sent his soldiers to knock on Rahab's door and say, hey, we noticed two men came in here. Send them out to us. But as the men knocked, Rahab served. All right? But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Rahab served the needs of the men by protecting them. And, and it's important that we notice Rahab did this without any expectation. She did not get a guarantee of deliverance from them. She did not ask them to say they would help her or they would spare her. She simply said, I believe in the power of your God. So the men knocked, she acted, she hid, and she sent the soldiers on a wild goose chase. The soldiers are there. Oh, they just left. If you leave now, if you run, go quickly. You'll catch up with them. And off they went. Rahab served the spies when she hid them and helped them to escape. In fact, the most successful people in the Bible served others. Joseph served his father. Then, not by choice, he served Potiphar. Then he, then he served in the prison where he was. Then he served Pharaoh. But as he was serving all these people, he also realized he was serving God. And, and Joseph saw success because he was faithful to serve wherever he was. Joshua served Moses for 40 years in the wilderness until the day Moses died, Joshua served him. He was his attendant, which means literally the one who carried his bags. He wasn't second in command. There was no promise he was ever going to take over the leadership role. He simply served. Samuel served. David served. Jesus served. Paul served. I think we begin to get the point. Service is a, a key to success in the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus put it very clearly in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. Mark 10, 43 through 45. He says, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be the first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I firmly believe that it is through service that we define our path to success. And in my own life, I, I have seen, I've gotten jobs because I served in an area, and someone said, oh, what about this person? We should consider him. We see that he's faithful. I've gotten promotions at work in secular fields because I was willing to serve the company where, where I worked, and, and, and people noticed that. I firmly believe that when we stop serving, we take a detour off our path to success. God has called us to serve. And success starts 
and ends with service. We don't serve so we, till we get to a certain position and then we stop. Truth number four. Truth number four. You must surrender your fear. And here we are. We're talking about surrendering. But if I'm going to be successful, I have to surrender. I surrender my fear and I exchange it for faith. You must surrender your fear and exchange it for faith. And this is exactly what we see Rahab doing in Joshua chapter 2. The whole city is shut up in fear. Everyone is living behind locked doors. The city walls are even closed off, and the city gates have been closed and sealed for fear of the Israelites. Rahab is surrounded by fear, yet she decides to act on behalf and in favor of the God of Israel. And she, she holds a negotiation, and we'll cover some of this negotiation in a little bit. But at the end of it all, the spies say, we will save you if you do one, two, three, and four. And the fourth thing she had to do is she had to take this scarlet cord, of re, uh, this scarlet, this red cord, and she had to tie it outside the window. And on the day that Jericho fell, if that scarlet cord was not hanging there, then, they then she, she would not be saved. And in the Old Testament, that scarlet cord is known as the scarlet cord of redemption. And it's, and it's a symbol of Christ's blood that will one day be shed for all of us. So uh, in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 21, everything has happened. It's time for the spies to, believe, to leave. And this is what takes place. The spies have told her all of the stipulations for her to be saved. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in her window. That was Rahab's first act of faith and obedience that God was going to do what he was told to do. There was something that Rahab had to do. And when everyone else was melting in fear, Rahab said, I'm willing to make a difference for myself and my family. I'm willing to be the one that's not, not left aside by everyone else. I'm not going to die without a fight. And she, she was willing to trade it all in. She, she was willing to say, fear no longer has a place in my life. And she tied that cord, and that cord was be, would become the anchor of her faith. In order to exchange your fear for faith, you must put your faith above your circumstances. You must put your faith above your comfort level, and you must put your faith before or above your present understanding. If I'm waiting for God to explain every step and every nook and every cranny to me, I will never be successful. Because at some point, God wants me to just to say, I believe it, I will do it. I want you to think about it for a moment. Um, while everyone else is hiding, Rahab was determined to chart a new course. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 tells us, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confident, confidently say, The Lord is my helper, in whom shall I fear? That's the confidence with which God wants us to walk and follow after him. In, in the automotive industry, when they, when they release a car and then they get reports that something's not working, the first thing, the default thing of the automotive industry is going to be to tell you, well, it's user error. You didn't do this first. You didn't do that first. And, and they're going to try to convince everyone that it's the user's fault. But eventually, as the reports keep coming in and they do more research and they realize, oh, we designed the car wrong. Oh, there's a faulty part. There's a faulty piece. 
you know, they get together with their lawyers, they make the decision, and they may issue a factory recall. And when the automotive industry issues a factory recall, they send out a letter to everyone they know, they make it public, they don't admit they made a mistake, but they let you know that for your safety, it would be good for you to bring your car in and allow us to fix this for you, and we're not going to charge you anything. We didn't do anything wrong, but we're going to fix it for free to keep you safe. Well, I want to tell you something. Satan has sold a faulty belief system. Satan has gone around and he's tried to convince people and he's tried to tell people that fear needs to control and dictate what you say and you don't do. But God has looked down and God acknowledges fear does not work and it's not his belief system. So God has issued a, a worldwide recall and he's saying, I am willing to exchange your fear for faith. God has said, I will take your insecurities, I will take those things that scare you, I will take what you're afraid of, and I will replace it with faith. And I will give you the faith to face those things, to overcome those things, and to be the change that's needed to be seen. But just like a factory recall, you have to be willing to go in for the exchange. You have to be willing to take that insecurity. You have to be willing to take that fear and say, that fear is no longer going to define my life anymore. God, I'm going to put my faith in you instead. We must surrender our fear and exchange it for faith. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. If I want to experience success today, I have to be willing to surrender my fear and replace it or exchange it for faith. Truth number five, seventh truth to success. We must make every effort to stand up and to stand out. We must make every effort to stand up and to stand out. And here we see Ruth making this effort in Joshua chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Joshua 2, 3 and 4. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying... Bring out the men who have come to you. They've entered your house, for they have come to search out all of the land. The king's soldiers knock on the door, and they say, bring us the men. There had to be fear in Rahab's heart, because these men could take her life. But Rahab said, no, I'm not going to let that fear define me. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to stand out. So she hid the men. Rahab exemplifies the faith of one that makes a difference. When she chose to place her faith in the king of all, all kings, she chose to no longer fear what the king of Jericho could do to her. Because she already understood he was marked for death. She didn't have a future outside of the God of Israel. And here's what I want us to understand. Fear tries to control and encourage you to go along with the masses. That's fear's primary, primary goal. When you're afraid, you don't want to stand out. When you're afraid, you don't want to stand out. You just want to blend in. You're like the student who didn't do his homework when the teacher's looking for someone to call on. You're trying to look like you know, but be as normal as possible so they don't call on you. Faith gives you the courage to stand up for what is right and to stand out or apart from those living in fear. Think about it. In the past two years, one message that has been shared over and over again 
is to not make waves. Go with the flow. Be tolerant. Don't stand out. But I have news for you. God wants us to stand up and to stand out and be the light in the world that the world needs. And if I want to be successful, I can't be concerned with blending in. I have to be willing to stand out when it's time to stand out. There will come a time when you are given an opportunity to act on what you believe, and this is your opportunity to stand up and stand out. So when when you look at the life of Rahab, she heard the stories, she believed in the power of God, but one day the spies came knocking on her door, and she had an opportunity to stand up and stand out, or to continue living in fear. And she chose to put her faith in a God that she did not know. She chose to put her faith in a God that there was no promise he would respond to her, but it was worth the risk. And it paid off greatly for her. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, I love how Eugene Patterson puts it in in his message Bible. And, and, And Matthew 10, 32, he says this, Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Paul was saying, it's time to grow up. Guys, it's time to put on your big boy pants and start acting like men, and put your faith in God. Sometimes the difference between success and mediocrity is found in the simplicity of an action. Those who act compared to those who watch and wait. You you know that you you haven't totally surrendered your fear for faith when you have to see somebody else do it first, when you have to watch and wait. God says, no, if, if, if you have faith at work and faith is living in your life and you've, you've surrendered your fear to me and allowed me to take that fear and allowed me to replace that, that fear with my faith, when the time comes to stand, you're ready to stand and you might surprise yourself and everyone else around you. Let's just look for a quick moment at Rahab's faith compared to the faith of Joshua's generation. All right? Rahab had simply heard the stories. Joshua's generation lived the stories. The 12 spies that were sent into the land in Numbers 13, those 12 spies saw with their own eyes the Red Sea part. Those 12 spies, their feet crossed over on the dry land. All right? Those 12 spies, they stood on the opposite end of the Red Sea while Pharaoh and his armies were drowned in the Red Sea. Those, those 12 spies, they, they ate manna that fell from heaven miraculously every single day. They saw water flow from a rock. Those 12 spies, they experienced God's miraculous power on a daily basis. But when they went into the land, they let fear control their decision. This is what they said. We are not able to go against that people. No. They're stronger than we are. They're bigger than we are. They don't want to give us the land. They think it's theirs. The land is so big. There's no way we can occupy it all. And for 38 years, they lived over a cloud of death while unbeliever after unbeliever had to pass on the other side of the wilderness till they had all died but Joshua and Caleb. And then God said, Joshua, it's time to go and possess the land. But Rahab 
someone who had only heard about God, never witnessed him, her statement is this, I know that the Lord has given you this land. She says, the Lord your God, he is a God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. The faith of one woman would encourage an entire nation, and they would march around the walls of Jericho, and they would witness those walls fall because they were encouraged by Rahab's faith, an outsider. Rahab stood out amongst all the others because she believed that the God of Israel was the God who saved. Rahab stood out because she, she took the opportunity to stand up and stand out. And God is calling us today as believers to seek him, to seek his will, to seek his direction, and know when is the time to stand up and make a difference. He's looking for people that will make a difference in their family. He's looking for people that will be the difference in their church. He's looking for people that will be the difference in their workplace. He's looking for people that will be the light and the difference in the community. But we have to be willing to stand up and stand out and not allow fear to encourage us to blend in and get lost amongst the masses. Truth number six, no matter what happens, you have to stay the course. No matter what happens, you have to stay the course. After the soldiers had left the house of Rahab, and Rahab went upstairs, and she took the straw off of the spies, she began to talk to them, and she made a simple request. My life for your life. I saved you, you saved me, and my father, and my mother, and my brothers, and my sisters, and all of their children. And, and the spies began to say, we can do that. We can make that promise. But... You have to gather everyone into your house. You can't tell anyone about this plan. You cannot leave. Don't tell anyone. They have to be in your house, and this, this red cord has to be tied out to your window. If you do those things, you will all be saved. Um, so Joshua chapter 2, verses 20 and 21 uh, the spies are wrapping up their business here. It says, but if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. I agree. The spies left, and she tied that cord outside of her window. She had to stay the course. We don't know how many days it was. The spies did not say, we'll return in 15 days. The spies did not say, follow us on Facebook. We'll let you know when, when the attack is coming. The spies gave, any, they gave no indication of how long it was. But we do know there was some period of time. We know that once the spies got back, and that took several days for them to get back, because they had to hide out and they had to go quietly. Once they told Joshua the report and Joshua was encouraged, then it took three days for the news to travel through the whole camp that we're going to cross over the Jordan. And then everyone had to line up at the Jordan. The ark had to go in the Jordan. The water of the Jordan had to stop. They had to cross over. They had to be within the boundaries of the promised land. And then God said, oh, you want to possess my promises? You have to be in covenant. Men, I have news for you. You're not in covenant. You all need to get circumcised. So all the men had to be circumcised. They had to be healed from that. And then they had to start their marching around Jericho. And they would march for six days. And then on the seventh day, they would march for seven times. We know the story. So Rahab had to wait. Imagine the commotion that was going on in the city when they're marching around in silence. Rahab and the entire house had to remain inside. 
Rahab and the entire house could not be caught up in fear. Rahab and the entire house had to remain obedient until God's hand of deliverance was obvious. And when God decided to deliver, he delivered and everyone knew it. There was no question of when the time would be to come out of the house. How do you stay the course? How, how do we remain faithful? Well, we obey. We continue to do what God has already made clear for our life. I remember when I was a young man, I was, you know, really seeking God. What do you want me to do? You know, should I, should I stay here? Should I go back home after college? What should I do? And a wise man looked at me and he said, Chris, you never need a word from God to continue doing what he's already called you to do. When God wants you to do something new, he'll make it abundantly clear to you. Until then, remain faithful. And I knew I was to return home. I was to go back to my home church. I was, I was to serve there, and I was to fulfill a role there. And this is, this is how we stay the course. We continue to do what God has already told us to do. God tells us what to do in his scriptures. And sometimes God can't take us to the new step until we've been faithful with what he's already revealed to us. We all know some of the basic thing God wants us to do. He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to, to pray with him. He wants to, to be our personal God. He wants us to put our trust and our faith in him. He wants us to read his word. He wants us to be part of a community of believers. He wants us to stand up for him. He wants us to be his light in a dark world. These are all things that we don't need God's permission to do. He's already made that clear. And when God's ready to, for us to do something more, he will let us know. But we have to be obedient with what he's already revealed to us. Sometimes maybe God has given you a word and you know there's a, there's a step you're supposed to take. We have to take that step before we see God give us the next step. That's what it means to live in faith. Prolonged obedience in the delay is an integral part of success. In fact, it's what we do in the waiting that prepares you and determines your ability to, to succeed. I am firmly convinced that waiting is always a test. Am I willing to trust God even when he waits? Am I willing to trust God even when, in my own thinking, he's late, only to find out he was right on time? We have to stay the course. We have to remain obedient. Um, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, remaining obedient. Rahab had to wait for an unspecified amount of time in complete obedience for the instruct, to the instructions given to her by the spies in order for her salvation to happen. And that's what Rahab did. Truth number seven, we have to be strategic. If you want to be successful, you have to be strategic. There's planning involved in being successful. We, and you need to expect to make an impact. You have to believe that God wants to use you to make a difference. That the plan and the purpose that God has for you is bigger than you, and he wants to impact other people through you. And then you plan accordingly. 
Uh, in Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, Rahab is talking to the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. I want you to notice something. Rahab was simply asking for deliverance. She was asking to not die, but God had a much bigger plan for Rahab. God had a bigger impact that he wanted Rahab to play. God wanted to intertwine Rahab into the history of Israel and into the lineage of Jesus Christ because God's plan for you always leaves an impact. And God wants you to have an impact in your family. God wants you to have an impact in your church. God wants you to have an impact in your workplace. And God wants you to have an impact in your community. We need to plan to make a difference because one person does make a difference. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Success that matters goes beyond you. It's your con. If your contribution does not have an impact beyond your influence and time, it is not true success. I believe if I can do it on my own, if I can do it by my own strength, if I can do it by my own power, if I can do it by my own resources, I'm not successful. Because God wants me to depend on him and others in order to get it done. Because he wants the impact to be lasting. Rahab's action encouraged the entire nation of Israel. It took the faith of an unbeliever to prepare the nation to enter into the land when their own would not, did not have faith 38 years earlier. You know, I, I can just imagine if we, could, if we could sit down and have five minutes with Rahab on a talk show. I'd have a few questions for her. I'd say, Rahab, did, did you ever believe that the stories you heard concerning the God of Israel would change and challenge your life so much? Rahab, that one day when those spies knocked on your door, do you believe that you would commit treason against your people in order to save your family and that that God would want to save you? Rahab, could you imagine that your faith in God would lead you to commit that treason and to take actions against your country? Rahab, could you imagine that your faith would cost you everything? It would cost you your way of life. It would cost you your home. It would cost you your culture. It would cost you everything that you knew. But God had something greater waiting for you. Rahab, could you believe that your faith would save your entire family? Rahab, could you have imagined that you would witness with your own eyes the walls of Jericho crumble to the left of you and crumble to the right of you and be completely leveled in dismay, but yet your house would remain standing and that cord of redemption would continue to flow through your window because our God is the God who is able to save. Rahab, could you believe that God would not simply save you, but he would invite you to be part of his people? That you would not always be an outsider, but you would marry an Israelite, and you would become the great-great-grandmother to King David. Rahab, could you imagine that the New Testament would, would just sing of your praises, and on two separate occasions, you would be listed because of the actions you took that day when the spies knocked on your door. 
Rahab, could you imagine that God could take a prostitute, that God could take an outsider, and he could weave her so much into his plans and purposes that her name is listed in the lineage of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Rahab, did you know that all this would become possible? Because you were willing to take those seven steps of faith. The seven truths to success. You were willing to seek. You were willing to soar. You were willing to serve. You were willing to surrender. You were willing to stand. You were willing to stay. And you were willing to strategize. My challenge to you today is to embrace these seven truths of success as seen in the life of Rahab, and believe that this is what God has promised for you in 2022. When Rahab heard, she believed. Rahab didn't allow her past to dictate her future and what a future God had planned for her. Rahab was willing to serve without expectation in return. She was willing to surrender that fear and replace it with faith. She was willing to stand up when everyone else was cowering in fear. She was willing to obey. She stayed the course until she saw deliverance. And she was willing to strategize. She made a plan. She asked a lot from God, and God delivered that and more. And she made an impact. What about us today? What are we looking for in 2022? In just a moment, we're going to pray. And if one of these seven truths kind of just hits you today and you say, man, I need to give that to God, I just invite you to stand and we're going to pray. When it comes to seeking, are you willing to seek God? Maybe in the past it's been half-hearted. Maybe in the past you've, you, you, you've sought after the God that your parents served or you've gone to church because it's what a good Christian does. But God says, no, I want you to seek me. I want you to crave me. I want you to desire me. I want you to strive after my will for your life. Are you willing to soar? Maybe something in your past or something in your present circumstances have held you back. And, 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 and you haven't been willing to let it go. But today, God wants you to believe that he truly does want you to soar. He wants you to run and not grow weary. He wants you to walk and not faint. He wants you to rise above those situations. And he's not done with you yet. It doesn't matter what happened in the past or what's happening in the future. What matters is today and how we respond to God's calls today. Because God wants you to soar. Are you willing to serve where God's called you to serve to make a difference in the lives of those around you? Are you willing to surrender? Are, are you tired of faith determining what you do today? Are you tired of, I'm sorry, are you tired of fear determining what you do today and you're ready to step in faith? And say, it doesn't matter what my neighbors think. It doesn't matter what the rest of my family thinks. It only matters what God has called me to do and I'm going to give it all to God. Are you willing to stand up when the opportunity comes? Are you willing to stand up and stand out and be the difference? Are you willing to stay the course and be obedient? To God and his word, no matter how dark the circumstances seem, how long the delay may be, are you willing to stay? 
And do you have the audacity to actually strategize and believe that God wants you to make a difference in the lives of other people? That God's interested in you and he has a plan for you and he created you for a purpose and he wants you to walk and fulfill that plan and that purpose. And he'll give you everything you need in order for that to succeed. In fact, God can take the failures of your past. He can take the successes of your past. He can take whatever it is, and he can wind it together and create something so beautiful that everyone stands in total amazement. Because that's what God wants to, you to do. Those seven truths. If, if one of those hits home to you, I invite you to stand now, and we're going to pray. Seeking, soaring, serving, surrendering, standing up, staying, and strategizing. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Father, I just, I, I just thank you for Rahab, Lord. And I thank you that you could take such an unlikely candidate to teach us what it means to experience success in the kingdom of God, Lord. And I pray as, as, as we walk out of this room and as we begin to see opportunities, Lord, that you will, you will challenge us to seek you in a new way, Father God. That you'll create a desire within us to, to strive after and to want your will and your purpose for our life, Lord. Lord, we, we just pray that you will, you will give us the ability to put our faith in you, that, that you want us to soar, Father God. You want us to rise above. You have something greater for us than we are already at. And that our success will be found when we soar above our past and our present, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we begin to seek you and say, Lord, where do you want me to serve in your kingdom? Who can I encourage, Father God? What can I do, Father God, to make a difference in somebody else's life? Make an impact, Lord. Lord, I just pray that when fear tries to creep in, when, when fear tries to control our decision process, when we're tempted to blend in, Father God, that you'll give us the ability to surrender that fear and say, no, faith lives here. Faith reigns here. Faith determines what I'm going to do because my God is well able. Father, give us the, the wisdom to know when it's time to stand up, Lord. When it's time to let that light shine bright and to stand out amidst the darkness in the world and let your light be displayed. Lord, give us the fortitude to stay the course, Lord, to obey, to remain true to what you've told us to do. And Lord, give us the faith to strategize, the faith to expect you to do great things and that you want to use us to have an impact on others. Help us to start planning for that impact today, Father. Father, we just pray that these, these seven truths become real in our life and we begin to walk in them and we begin to walk them out. We see your success, Father. We see the, the plan and the purpose that you have for us. We thank you, Lord.